0: Let's do it.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzam, with Mr. Brian Terry in the co pilot seat. Hey, between the two of us, I bet you we can answer almost any question you got for us. <laughs> That's it.
2: That's- Right now is the perfect time course, to call,
1: too. You didn't notice I put that little almost in there. Almost, huh? A little, little disclaimer. That's right. Because <laughs> there's somebody, as we speak, sitting there on Google saying, watch this. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> hold my beer and watch this.
1: You got it. Hey, go ahead and give us a call. And of course, this is the perfect time to call in because we got every one of our lines wide open. That means we've got time to spend with you. We can ask you a question in depth. If you wait to the end of the show, a lot of times folks are on hold and we just don't get to them. Or even if we do get to you, we got to kind of give you the bum's rush because we got to get out of here.
2: That's it. They throw us out at 11 o'clock. Mm. Yeah.
1: So we just don't get a complete answer. So right now is a good time. Just go ahead and give us calls. call. Of course, if you don't get a chance to call or something occurs to you during the week.
2: That's right. You can always visit our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. The easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company.
1: That works out real well.
2: And you can get your questions answered there just... Hit the contact bar. I believe there's one on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. There's also three big database searches on the site to get an answer. There's the vehicle questions, which is kind of a short-to-the-point answer to a particular topic. And tail topics, which is a real in-depth answer to a particular topic
1: those will go two to three hundred words at least on a specific topic i just added one i think it's really good it's on maintenance misconceptions okay and that's one you really want to read because it talks about the difference in true maintenance and some of the wallet flushes and stuff that are floating around because a lot of times folks think they're taking really good care of their car and they're going somewhere that's just selling them something they don't need which is bad enough right but it's possibly even damaging the car exactly So you want to avoid that kind of stuff. You need to know the difference in true maintenance and what's being sold because there is a lot of confusion. And any time there's confusion, you're going to have charlatans who are going to step in to make some money off of it.
2: That's right. And And that's
1: what's going on now. The transmission flushes and the fuel injection flushes and the engine flushes. Uh, Basically, you add the word flush to the end of it and just add the word wallet in front of it. There you go. And you got a truer answer. But that's one, another one that's in there on do you really need a wheel alignment because as you know very right. well, many, many, many times people come in for a wheel alignment. They got a bad tire or some other problem. We
2: had a gentleman come in Friday. Mm-hmm. Truck was pulling to the left real hard, and he wanted an alignment on it. First thing we did was cross the tires, and guess what? Goes it went to lane. the right. That's right. So, so,
1: at that point, there's really no reason to waste money well, aligning the car to resolve the tire problem.
2: You don't have enough adjustment there to cover up a tire pull. Right. You're not you go- can't adjust well, it out.
1: You're creating one problem to try to cover up another problem, exactly. which is not right now. It's a real good article as well. And then of course, there's one of the V8 Chevrolet engines with the cracked cylinder heads that um, we've got a lot of response on that as well.
2: I'm telling you, we've done, we did two last week, didn't Mm -hmm. we?
1: That's right. So that's just a sampling of the stuff that's in there. www.agcoauto.com pop on there and see what you think. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to our phone lines with Ray. Good morning, Ray.
0: Hey, good morning, Liz. I got a question for you. I've got, Uh, my son and I both have got 2005 Chevrolet three quarter ton suburban diesels. Okay. His speedometer went bad about two or 3,000 miles ago. I got 147,000. Yes, sir. Mine went bad this morning. It's yep. sitting there at a dead stop at 15 mile an hour. Yep, yep. It's, I called the dealer
1: and got a price on the re- yep. repairing it. It's absurd. <laughs> I it's hope double. you were sitting down. Yeah. Tell you what you I, need I to, to do, to... Ray. You need to call lane Monday morning, first thing, make an appointment, because right. I can repair the one you got. I can change the servo motors. I've got the updated motors, which is never going to do that again. It's going to fix the problem, and it's probably about half or less the price. Hey, I knew you could handle that. Plus, you're be in and out the same day. That's it. Oh,
2: my God. Yeah, uh, no day,
1: Doesn't have to sit in there for a week?
2: No,
0: no. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> you'll be, be in enough. and out one day. See, when you get in hey, uh, I got another question. Yeah, go ahead. You my wife's got a 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Uh-huh. It goes down the road, pulls to the right. You literally have to hold the steering wheel to the left. Okay. And they say that they've got it properly aligned, and it just it's tires isn't it could, could be. be
1: i mean there's a number of things that can take you do that right? it's very simple to isolate that all you have to do is cross the two front tires temporarily side to side or take left put on the right put the right on the left and go drive it again now if it pulls the other way you got a tire problem if it doesn't then it's not a tire problem it's something else now it could be the alignment's not set right it could be that steering gearbox is going bad, it's called power steering lead, and it could wow. be a few other things. So you just need to get that to somebody who knows what to do and let them diagnose it for you. The way that particular front end lines up, there's not a caster camber setting on it. You have to you. actually put an offset ball joint there to change the caster camber. And because wow. they can't set it, a lot of people don't even check it. I got you. All they do I is set toe and say it's lined up and it's don't know why it's pulling. Do
0: you so, do that? Do right, work on absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, he done work for me before, sure. and for those that are listening, you need to make a trip to see Lewis. He does great <laughs> work, and the price is very reasonable. Well, Thank you, dude. man. I appreciate the right. show. Thanks, sir.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. And we got Howard in line. Good morning, Howard. Good morning.
0: How you? We're doing good great, Good morning, sir. sir. Hey, look, I am looking to purchase a truck. Okay. I found a, a real big deal on a 08 GMC four-wheel drive crew cab. Okay. It's got about 50,000 miles on it, maybe a little more. Yes, yeah, All that's in good shape, but my question is... Mm-hmm. It's four-wheel drive, and I, I probably won't ever use the four-wheel drive unless I just happen to go play with it because I have it. Yes, sir. Is that something I should
1: be concerned about I would. Like, uh, later
0: on down the line? Yes, there, sir. It, Absolutely,
1: because you've got almost twice as many moving parts under there, so it's twice as much stuff to break. Not only that, it complicates all the other repairs considerably because of the extra parts. Four-wheel uh-huh. drive is great if you need it. But if yeah. you don't need it, it's boy, it's just it's real, real wasteful. Number one, it's gonna burn up more gas turning all those extra parts. Yeah. Number two, you got a transfer case, you got an extra drive shaft, you got a front differential. Any one of right. which can break, and that front differential goes out quite a bit on those. And when it does, you're gonna add about two grand to the price of what right. you
2: paid. Transfer case has a bad, bad design in it, the holes in them, and it'll rub the chain will actually rub a hole in the case.
1: That's right. Um, and yeah, so the exactly. pump, the pump actually rubs a hole in. That's the pump. Does. Yeah, but and see. Not only that, but things like, for instance, let's say you need to rebuild a transmission for some reason. Well, the price of the job jumps up about $300 because it's four-wheel drive. Because now you've got to pull all the transfer case and everything else to get to the transmission. So I think uh-huh. you would be better off to find something without all that on there. My object in buying a car is to buy the one with the least number of gadgets that I just can't live without. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the more stuff you put on, the more stuff to break. And when it breaks, boy, you're going to have to pay to fix it, and it's going to be big. I hear you. All, All right. right. Well, that's what I need to know. I sure appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And let's see. We have got... Curtis has been patiently holding. Good morning, Curtis. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning.
0: Yeah, I have an three Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and my reverse lights don't go off when I put it in drive. Okay. And I have another problem. My air, it blows, but it don't blow out the main vent.
1: Yeah. On the reverse lights, Curtis, the first thing you'd want to check on that. There's a part on the side of the transmission called a neutral safety switch. Mm -hmm. And that also controls reverse light function. So the Mm -hmm. first thing you do, unplug that switch and see if they go out. Now, Mm -hmm. if they stay on when you unplug that switch, you got a short somewhere in that circuit and you're getting power to reverse lights that it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. If they go out, then the most likely cause is going to be the neutral safety switch itself. Mm -hmm. Now, on your air conditioner blowing, it's probably blowing at the floor and or at the windshield. And that is almost always going to be a vacuum line that's off because that's vacuum-controlled vents on that particular car. It has a bunch of little vacuum actuators under the dash. Mm -hmm. It has springs that pull it to a default position when it loses vacuum. And default position is going to be defrost because that's a safety feature. So Mm -hmm. when it doesn't get a vacuum input, it's going to go to defrost as default. So most of the time, that's going to be a vacuum line that's off. All right. Okay. All All right, Curtis. Thank you, man. Hi, and we got Ricky on the line. Good morning, Ricky. How's it going? Doing great. Good morning. Got a
0: 05 F350 automatic diesel. Okay. And around 45 when I'm carrying a heavy load, uh-huh. uh, like it goes to neutral. I got let off the accelerator, and finally it catches back into gear.
1: When it, you say like it goes neutral, the, the tack jumps up, but the vehicle quits moving? Right. Yeah, that's going to most likely be an internal transmission problem, Ricky. I'd have to get it in, put a pressure gauge on it, and see what the pressure does when that occurs. Because if the pressure is not rising when it occurs, then I've got a command problem, which could be on the outside. But if the pressure rises but it doesn't go into gear, then we've got an internal problem.
0: And you be able to tell that, uh... Just in the shop without the load on it, because the only time I ever noticed it, you know, like I'm carrying a heavy load.
1: Man, I bet you I could. Ricky is probably doing it to a much, much lesser degree. It's just when the heavy load's on there, it shows up a Not lot noticed. more. What okay. I would recommend to you, it has, has the transmission been serviced any time recently?
0: No, I had bought it used with 87. I have yeah. about 100000 on it now.
1: I would bring it in. Let's do a proper service on it first, just because that's necessary anyway. And when I drop the pan... I'll take the filter out, cut it open. If it's got a snap ring and a bunch of gear teeth in it, hey, you know. I mean, that way you're not spending any money. You don't have to spend. If the pan is nice and clean, then most likely it's going to be something on the outside. So, that is instead of spending money on diagnosis, you're spending money on something you need anyway. Right. So that would be probably the first way I would go. Now, like I said, if we drop the pan and it's full of metal, you just got to make a decision if you want to run it until it breaks, if you want to dress it before it breaks. The benefit to doing it before it breaks, number one, it's a lot more convenient because you're not stranded on a side road with a big old trailer behind you. But yeah. number two, it's, it's a lot less expensive because it's not going to tear up. You could probably head off a big problem. So that would be my recommendation is get it in and let's just check it and see. And then we know from there what we got to do. All right. Appreciate All right. Okay, Rick, thank you, man. Alright, we gotta take a quick little break Jerry and George, hang on, you guys will be straight up after the break Travel my way Take the highway That's the best I get your kicks On Route 66 it winds. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Right? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. And what about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now
3: that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was
1: a freaky dream. Were you on medication or did you eat anything strange?
3: Uh, yeah. I actually ate A whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween 2014. Oh! Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Welcome back. If you just join us, I'm Lewis Alzan. Got Mr. Brian Terry with me as well. Hey, between two of us, I believe we can answer just about any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's four nine 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 five two six. And that'll get you right on up to the top of the list. We've got George been patiently holding. Good morning, George. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. I've got a two thousand six Kia Sorento, okay, which is a rear wheel drive vehicle. Okay. In the owner's manual it
0: gives the service interval of only twenty thousand miles on draining that differential fluid. Okay. Which seems to be awfully short time to me but I've been doing that uh, but for about the last couple of three weeks I've been hearing that rear end thump when I take my foot off the brake uh, yeah, what have I got going
1: on they probably are having some trouble with that George normally when you see them recommend a low low change interval like that's because they're having a known problem with the differential and what that problem is I'm not that sure if we work on a few skills but not a lot of them sometimes they have a metallurgy problem where it didn't harden the gears enough or something like that ford had that same problem they were wearing out gears right and left they never recalled it but it did lower the price on a gear set pretty significantly to help people address that problem that would be fairly easy i guess to isolate because what you can do is jack it up and just grab the pinion shaft with your hand and turn it back and forth and see if there's a lot of slack there before it's engaging if it is then you're in the rear differential if it's not, you could have a U-joint or something that's going bad because it's going to give you the identical same symptom. and of course, it's a lot less expensive to address. So, you just want to see what it is. I've even seen a broken transmission mount give a very similar type of a thing.
0: Well, I, I did notice that for 2011, they've reconfigured the vehicle to where it's not front-wheel drive, so mm-hmm. it, it sort of gives me pause,
1: but I, I appreciate that. I'll do yeah. that. I'll, I'll jack it up. and Yeah, try and just, see, just grab the pinion shaft and turn it, and... It should be a negligible amount of movement in there. There will be some, but it should be very, very slight. If you can turn it, say, three-eighths of an inch to a half an inch before the axle starts turning, you got a problem in the differential.
0: Right, well, one of the things that made me buy the vehicle was that 100,000-mile you know, yes, drive drivetrain warranty, mm-hmm. so I'm still well within that. I'm okay. just pushing 50,000 miles
1: Yeah, it, so well, I guess check with them and a... see if that's covered, because yeah. I would think I mean, that's part of the drivetrain, definitely. Thank you a lot. All right, George. Bye-bye. And we got Jerry online. line. Good morning, Jerry.
0: Look, I got an old
1: Ford Mazda pickup. Uh-huh. I've been using mobile oil in it. Okay. The other day, I went to change my oil, and uh-huh. they put Casper in there. Castrol. yes, sir. I
0: got um, 20,000 miles on it. Will that give me any trouble?
1: Well, it can, Jerry. I don't like changing all brands because even though every oil, every major brand of oil is good, they're not all compatible. The additives in them are different think what i would do is go back and say hey guys look you know i've been putting mobile in here i really want mobile put back in it, and get them to swap it out again they don't have to change the filter and all but they can just you know drain all out and put the right all back in it it may get by with it and it may not i just i've seen people do it and get by and i've seen people do it and it starts burning all after that so i would go and get it out of there and put the right all back in it just as quick as you can just to avoid problems i mean even if you had to pay for four quarts all or five quarts all i mean that's nothing compared to a engine starts burning oil. all
0: right i'll go by that and check with them yeah i
1: would just talk with say look man y'all put the wrong oil on here i know you say it's okay but i just don't feel comfortable with it go ahead and drain that out and put the right all and like i said they can take the filter off drain the filter put it back on because the filter's not gonna be dirty and just go ahead and refill it with the proper oil okay now
0: i have manual uh, windows okay when i crank it down they comes they come down good
1: but going up is real hard yes sir normally what we see on that the tracks those rubber tracks on the sides of the glass tend to get kind of sticky over time a lot of times what you can do is just take something like some alcohol and a towel and clean those rubber tracks real good and if you really want to hedge your bet go to a parts store and get some clear dry silicone spray and just spray a little bit of that on there, and man, they'll zip up and down, freeze a breeze. All right, but I need to get that oil out of there, huh? I would, yes, sir. It just it's not worth the risk. I mean, you might get by with it for one change, but I, it's not worth the risk to me. I did that myself inadvertently on old '71 Toyota. I had that thing didn't burn a drop of oil, and I accidentally changed the oil types on it, and man, that it started burning about two quarts between a change after that. And hmm. it took me quite a while of going back to the other oil to get it to stop doing it. Okay, well, thank you, sir. All right, man. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? We'd love to have you. That's one of those phenomenons that I've never really been able to explain. And I've even talked to some of the guys that work out at the refinery at Exxon. And even they can't give you a logical explanation for it, except that, he said, they are not compatible. And so I don't know if it has to do with the seal on the rings are what it actually have to do with and if it hadn't happened to me personally i probably wouldn't be so adamant about it but <laughs> i had a little toyota and i'd always run Havlin all in it right and i switched over to quaker state just for one change and man it immediately just used a considerable amount all like i said about two quarts and three thousand miles and it had never done that before so i switched back to my Havlin, and it continued to use all for pretty good period of time it took about a year it slowly diminished and right. it went back to not using all again
2: that's strange
1: yeah it really is it's one of those inexplicable things you know there's <laughs> no logical explanation for it or it probably is an explanation we just haven't found it yet yeah like einstein said everybody's knowledge is incomplete <laughs> <laughs> no matter who you are no about how much you know everybody's knowledge is incomplete that's it is what his <laughs> <laughs> and we got bobby's been patiently holding good morning bobby Good morning, gentlemen.
0: I've got the problem of uh, cloudy headlight lenses on a
1: plastic housing. Yes, Mm -hmm. sir. Tell you what you do, Bobby. Go to my website and look on there, and there's an article called Dull Yellow Headlights. Okay. And it will give you step-by-step instructions how to fix that, you can fix that yourself. Ah, that
0: sounds good.
1: Yeah, there's chemical out there. Several people make it. Meguiar's makes a great one. 3M makes a good one. There's several other ones, and they're either one- or two-part process, but basically it's a polish. What that yellow, dull yellow is, is little tiny cracks in that housing. If you really want to get ambitious and really get a nice job, go find you some, like, 2,000-grit sandpaper uh-huh. and wet sand them before you start and then get your polish and get on there with electric buffer, and you can make them look like brand new. Okay. But I'll tell an article on the site that goes all into it tells you all about them.
0: I'll check it, Louis. Louis, on, sure. on the, on the, um, the fellow was talking about the automatic injectors, mm-hmm. just because your car's got a slight, slight, Very slight rough idle. That doesn't mean you ought to be running around looking to clean injectors. Oh, no, no.
1: In fact, even a tremendously rough idle, you shouldn't be cleaning injectors. You should get it diagnosed because most rough idles are vacuum leaks. Okay. And particularly, um, depending on what kind of car it is, a Chevrolet pickup, man, they're notorious for the intakes leaking on them. And you can waste your money all you want on injector cleaner, and now only that, you can damage the fuel system with injector cleaner and not fix the original problem, which was a vacuum leak at the intake. So, yeah...
0: I've learned a lot of great
1: things listening to your <laughs> program, man. Now, don't guess and keep throwing parts in no, the first no, one, so. Just too expensive. It just costs yeah, too much. Too e- I I like you say, when you run out of money before you run out of gas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Hi, right, Bobby. Thanks. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. On our first call, we were talking about those General Motors dash right. clusters, and that's very, very prevalent on the pickups, the Suburbans, the Avalanches, the Tahoes. But it also affects the Impalas and basically all the cars in the GM line and even some cars out of the GM line use those same little servo motors or stepper motors. And from what I understand, they had a huge, huge bad batch of those motors. Something like 4 million cars are affected by that. I guess policy of buying from the absolute lowest bidder. Lowest bidder. And no telling where in the world those came from. Right. But what will happen is that you're driving along, and your speedometer will either be sitting on 100, and you're doing 20, or you'll turn the key off, and the speedometer sits on 20 instead of going to zero. And it's not just the speedometer. It could be any gauge on it.
2: Right, and most of your new vehicles have at least four gauges on them.
1: Yeah, four to six, so, or seven of the guy transmission gauge. That's right. But the speedometer tends to move the most, so it's the one we see the most problem with. But I've also seen tachometers. I've seen all pressure gauges. Gas gauges,
2: right? Any temperature of the, gauges. Any of the gauges on the dash. Any
1: one of the gauges. So what we do is we remove the instrument cluster. We can desolder those little servos that were bad. We've got the updated servos, which are going to fix the problem. We replace all the servos we were in there, even if only one is malfunction. We just go ahead and just change them all.
2: Well, that's the that's the thing to do, right. For the mere fact that you've got you've spent the labor to get the dash right. out, so you're already desoldering one, right? And it came from the same batch the rest of them did. Exactly right. So take them all out, put the new updated ones back in it, mm-hmm. put it back in the dash, and it's over.
1: That's right. Now you're now fixed. Now you're fixed. Because those little servos are not that expensive. I don't remember. They're 13 to $15 a piece. They're not that expensive a part while you're in there. You've right. already spent an hour labor to pull a dash out, another hour changing out all these little servos. you got a couple hours labor tied up. So just changing them all makes good sense. I had a fellow, I said, well, can't I just go to a junkyard and get a dash and put in there? So, well, number one, you get a dash with the same old servos that you had before. Correct. So it's very likely going to fail. Number two, some of your features may not work. Like if you've got steering wheel control and stuff, that all runs through the instrument cluster and (laughs) that may not work. The next thing is your dash odometer reading is going to be wrong, which puts you in violation of a whole bunch of federal laws. There's a bunch of paperwork and stuff you have to fill out. Right. Because when you go get your next inspection sticker and that number is lower than it was before, it's going to kick it out. And a couple of troopers are going to come knock on your door, <laughs> find out that. what's going on. Yeah, I don't know they go that far, but it, it'll definitely screw you up. But if you ever get ready to sell it, Carfax is definitely going to catch it. Right. So it's not really a viable way to go. And of course, you can go buy one from a dealer, and that's certainly a viable way to go there. But you can spend six to nine hundred dollars. Was something that could probably be done for three or less around 300 well uh, and plus you get it back the same day
2: and there's also a programming you got to do with a, a new cluster
1: if you change the cluster it has to be reprogrammed now so- it'll
2: you can put it in, and it'll run for 25 20 miles,
1: miles twenty five miles, something like, like that.
2: that, and then it locks out, right. and then it's garbage.
1: Yeah, after that, you can't use it. Can't do, it, can't do of, anything else with it. Well, and the reason they did that is because they didn't want someone to go in, put a new cluster in, drive it around for two years, and then go get it programmed and have a much, much lower mileage than what was actually on the vehicle. Exactly. So they allow you about 20 to 25 miles to get it somewhere to have it programmed. But after that, it locks, and you can't get into its program. It cannot That's be right. programmed after So that. if
2: you're thinking about doing that job yourself, just remember that.
1: Go ahead and line up somebody to program it for you, whether it be Agco or a car dealer or whomever, anybody who's got a tech, too, with the programming capabilities, and get that all in line before you change that dash out, because right. at 20 miles, it can go by real fast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick little break We'll you, right back with more on the Automotive power.
3: Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh... All wrong, all wrong, all wrong. (laughs) Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altzam, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls. And we've got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I got a 93 Ford Ranger that's got them H-Spark plugs in it. Yeah, Right,
2: sir. uh-huh.
0: Them things are kind of difficult to change, and, and my check engine light's been coming on, mm-hmm. and it. They- coming on and off periodically and Mm -hmm. that thing belching out some black smoke, man, like, like crazy. It's trying to kill on me and stuff when I take off. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. How expensive is that to take care of?
1: Well, the plugs are probably not going to fix that problem.
0: I mean, I'm not not, saying it doesn't
1: need plugs. It's not a big deal to change those plugs, about an hour's labor. Okay. But that's not gonna fix your problem. You just have to diagnose it and find out why it's doing all those things. Sounds like it's running too rich for some reason. Oh, you just definitely. have to determine you could, why.
0: Uh, you can smell the fuel. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, you just have to determine yeah. why it's why it's running too rich. It could be an injector stuck open. I mean it could be an airflow meter going bad. It could be an oxygen sensor shorted out. It right. could be a thermostat bad. I mean, it could be probably two hundred different things causing that problem.
2: And the thing so, you gotta remember too is all that raw fuel is going through the catalytic converter. Right. That catalytic converter is running twelve to fifteen hundred degrees. degrees. Yeah. So all so, that raw fuel going through it is not a good thing. you no. going to wipe it out real quick, and now, then yeah. you're going to be into a bigger expense. Right.
1: Now you're adding the price for a catalytic converter to the Whatever price of the original problem. So, I mean, you could jump up in the thousands of dollars real fast right. with a situation oh. like that if you keep driving it. Oh, Lord. That ain't what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> get that into somebody real, real quick. Might get properly diagnosed and repaired because right now it could be as simple as a bad spark plug wire. Yeah. But you keep driving it, and you're going to turn it into a bad spark plug wire plus... A catalytic converter, plus, plus oxygen sensors. Oxygen or? sensors, and you know right. we see it every single day. And I know when there's something unpleasant like spending money, folks want to put it off, but man, that is not anything you want to put off.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, a little truck still trying to run pretty good. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Well that truck probably go another hundred thousand miles if you have to get this problem taken care of. Yeah. It's kinda of like I told a guy to day, I Man, you don't ride your horse with a broke leg, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it ain't gonna get better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, Mike. All right. This week earlier, I got an email from a guy in Tel Aviv, Israel.
2: Yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah,
1: kind of interesting. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or he just happened to Google us. Right. But he had a Lincoln Town Car stretch limo that he had bought. Okay. And when he got it, it was leaning about an inch in the rear. So I sent him several things to check on it. And he called me back or actually emailed me back this morning and thanked me and said, "Couldn't find out it was damaged in shipping. Someone had changed the rear bumper on it. Apparently, the transport truck had snagged it or something kind right. of way, so it had a little twist in it.
2: I tell you what, I've seen them snatch them down with chains. Oh, yeah. And they have, I, I used to work at the dealership. Mm-hmm. We had a van come in off the transport that mm-hmm. both the rear axles were bent in. Wow. Because they had chained it down so tight.
1: Yeah. I remember way, way back, I guess in the early 80s, we had a whole batch of Dodge trucks come to us, and they had transport them and bound them too tight and twisted every one of them. Right. And you could stand behind them. Every one of them was leaning, and... In fact, they'd bring two over at a time. We'd fix those two. They'd pick those two up and bring two more. (laughs) (laughs) I got got real tired of looking at Dodge (laughs) trucks after about two weeks, but it was a whole trail load of them. No kidding. And they had twisted every one of them, binding them down improperly. Frame has got a lot of strength up and down, and it's got a fair amount of strength side to side, but it has almost no strength if you grab one opposite corner. Yeah, diagonally and pull down. It's going to twist because it's just not designed to have that happen to it. That's right. And you can twist one pretty easy. I know a lot of times folks will drive in a ditch, and one wheel drops off in a ditch. Of course, next thing a wrecker comes out, where well, he grabs on the opposite corner and yanks, and, and they twist it the car. And and... And trucks yep. are worse than cars just because they're full frame vehicles instead of unibodies. And they're
2: also two different components. That's you've got right. the cab component and the bed component. That's and right. And when the frame gets twisted, you can really see it. You
1: can really see it. And it doesn't have that superstructure effect that a car body would give it. Right. You don't have that extra strength because you got the big break between the cab and the body of the right. truck. So that's a particular problem. In fact, there's an article on the website. Just go to the search bar and, and type in twist, and it'll bring up a photographs and tell you exactly what's going on with that. and. Uh, yeah. a, lot, a lot of good information on frames and twists and all that kind of stuff. Let's go back to our line with Robert. Good morning, Robert. Hello. Yes, good sir. morning. Look, I've got an 89
0: Ford Probe with a 2.2 turbocharged Mitsubishi engine in it. Yes, sir. This thing's driving me crazy. I can sit there at that idle and, and rev it up all day long. But when I let the clutch out on that car, it's like somebody snatched the front wheels off of it. I let off the gas pedal. It'll kind of pick up a little bit but it the gas again, and it keeps falling on the face. And I've been through the fuel system from the gas tank sock to flushing the injector. Yeah.
1: Uh, Robin, you know what nothing- about that total, total wrong, most expensive way, and you're going to run out of money way before you run out of gases. The very first thing you got to do— is either go and buy you a fuel pressure gauge and learn how to use it or bring it to somebody who's got one well
0: i've already checked the fuel pressure on it so heard
1: 45 pounds of pressure it's doing good on the fuel pressure okay shows 45 pounds at the rail when you're accelerating correct and i changed the fuel pressure regularly. well you know I'm you do, to do all that bypassing. well see no you to know do any of that if it's got good fuel pressure you forget all that it's nothing to do with that yeah so the next thing i would look for would be does it have a, a mass air flow sensor on it Yes. Okay. If it's got a mass airflow sensor, that's going to be your next most likely candidate because it doesn't know how much air is coming into it. So okay. when you slam that throttle body open, you got a big gulp of air coming in, but it doesn't know that. So it's going to be the same thing as cutting the fuel off. So okay. I would check that mass airflow sensor. What you might just try yourself is try just unplugging it and see if it dies because some cars will not run without it. Some cars will run without it.
2: Yeah,
0: if I you got- can
1: unplug it and it'll still run, go drive it and see if it's better. Yeah. because it's going to go to default readings when you unplug it because without a lab scope you're not gonna be able to check it and it's not the part you want to change because last time, last time i checked they probably about a six seven hundred dollar part yeah but well, without a what uh I can't digital lab it? scope okay. you can get one for about six thousand dollars oh or yeah, you can well, take well, it somebody he's... and let it check it for you, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah but you have to have that to chest that meter because there's no other way to check it But like I say, you can try. Now, if you unplug it and it just dies, then you can't check it that way. That's the only way to do it. You have to bring it to somebody and let them check it. That would be your most common next thing. That's not the only thing, but that's the most common next thing that causes them just to drop down like that. Uh, You don't have any kind of check engine lights or anything showing? Uh, No. Okay. If you don't have any kind of, of course, on 89, it's such a crude system. It doesn't pick up a lot of stuff. You can even have... OBD-1 sensor. Yeah, that's even before OBD-1. That's that's just an old, I think it was an like EEC-3 or EEC-2 or something like that they called it. Even a bad oxygen sensor can cause that kind of thing. But again, without some test equipment to know, you, you can't just start throwing parts at it because, man, you're going to run out of money before you run out of parts to change. I'm already doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just one of them deals where if you got equipment to test it, you can electronically eliminate all these possibilities instead of throwing five, $600 parts at it.
2: And you may be right. pulling off good parts and putting right. parts back on it aren't as good as the ones you just took off yeah, we see and that, creating another problem. We see
1: that every day where a guy will go in and he'll take one part off. He buys another part, which is defective, puts it on. Now he's created another problem. Then he stumbles upon the original problem, but it still don't run because he's made another problem. So then he goes off on a tangent spending thousands dollars on other junk he doesn't need, and you know, he brings it in. And it was the part he put on that caused the whole thing. So it's just, man, you shooting blind, you know, you, you got to get it to someone, let them test this thing for you. Even if you want to fix it yourself, just bring it to somebody and let them test it for you. And then they'll well, tell you what's wrong you can do to repair yourself. My problem is, it's kind of, somebody
0: has it, somebody has it that's old enough to test it. I can't mm-hmm. find anybody that's got it. Everybody does OBD3s, and I don't yeah. know anybody has got anything older. I'll checked around and check around, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be a big deal to fix that. Man, that's, that's all pretty standard stuff, and a lot of the stuff is going to be the same as Ford. Mm-hmm. You know, for, if anybody who's got a star scan, a superstar or star tester can test that, which is okay. pretty standard stuff.
0: All right. Well, all I right. guess that's what I'll do. I'll start with the, uh, the airflow meter.
1: Yeah, try that and see. If you unplug it and it keeps running, just go drive it. It may not be perfect because it doesn't have an airflow meter, but it runs a lot better. Yeah. Then chances are that's going to be your problem. But again, and see too, a lot of times you can clean those airflow meters. You don't have to change them because they can be real pricey. Yeah. Some, no, of, some of those 30, things, 600 man. $700. Yeah. There is a special cleaner out there to clean them. You got to be very, very careful because you can damage it by cleaning it wrong, but you can sometimes clean them and make them work just right. All right. All right. Well, appreciate the information. Okay, Robert. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir? I have a 2000 safari. Okay.
0: It has the big v 6 It idles real rough when, it, when the air conditioner is on, and okay. it's been doing it for quite some time. Yes. I, and I've been meaning to pull out the IAC sensor and clean it, at least.
1: Well, all you can and, do, Paul, you can test that real easy. If you just turn the air ignition off and look at your RPM, it should be up around 650, somewhere in there, 700 maybe. Cut the um, air conditioner on. And if it drops significantly, like if it goes down to 600, then you're probably mm-hmm. into an IEC problem. Okay? If the RPM okay. does not drop, like it comes right back up to the same RPM, you can forget that. That's not it. Okay. See, when you turn the air conditioning on, you do a lot of things. One thing, you put about a 40 horsepower drain on that engine. So right. any vibration that you've got is going to be much more pronounced with that extra load on it. So that could be... Anything from just like a a bad set of plugs, a bad plug wire. Cap, rotor. Cap, rotor, dirty throttle body. I mean, you can really spend a lot of money throwing parts at it if you don't follow a logical procedure. So try that little test, foot on the brake, in drive, AC off, watch your RPM, put it in gear. And what it should do is just barely perceptibly drop it and come right back up. Okay. If it does that, the AC is working because it's bringing it right back up, which is what it's supposed to do. Then you can turn it off and see if it does the same thing. You know, if it goes right back to where it's supposed to be, then the IEC is working. Now, if it doesn't, you know, if you put your foot on, drive, blah, 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 and turn the AC on, it drops down to 500. Well, yeah, that's where you're at.
0: Okay. All righty. I have another question. Okay. My transmission, whenever I slow down... Mm-hmm. Almost to to a dead stop. Mm-hmm. It, it acts like it's not really a lurch, but something's catching up and I hear a thump.
1: Is the thump like after you've stopped or is it as it's coming to a stop? No,
0: as I'm coming to a stop.
1: Go on my website and look on the detailed topics and look up GM shaft clunk and read that article and see if that sounds like what it's doing because that sounds almost like it knows we're notorious for that problem. A lot of times that's as simple as pulling driveshaft out and lubing the splines on it. That will All give right. you a distinct clunk. Sometimes it's after stop, and sometimes it's when you come into a stop. It just depends on where it binds at. But certainly, that's something you can do yourself very inexpensively, and has a high probability of fixing it. Now, if that doesn't fix it, we could be into something like a pressure regulator that's sticking, and it's got too much line pressure, so it's slamming when it's downshifting. But again, all that's going to kind of be out of your realm to do anything with. All right.
0: All righty. Sounds good. Okay, I man. want to make one more comment sure, on
1: show. Go ahead. It, it sounds great in HD. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank well, you. Thank pal. you, Paul. Bye-bye. bye right, We're going to take one more little break, and we'll be right back.
3: Man, I had a bad dream the other night Oh, me too I was abducted by aliens But they weren't little green men They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship And onto this theater stage And in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends And they're just sitting there, judging me Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech over here. And between the two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got Bob online. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Let me
0: tell you the problem. I've got a 2010 mm-hmm. Jeep Wrangler, okay, and it was popping out of first gear, and every time it pops out, you wonder if you've been hitting a rear-end collision. It shakes so so hard.
1: Let me ask that's a manual transmission, Bob? Manual transmission, six speed. Okay. Now, the dealer has fixed it, but I'm worried about metal fatigue after this
0: has happened uh, between the time I got it and the time the dealer fixed it. Yeah, how did
1: he fix it, Bob? He just went into the transmission, changed parts?
0: They apparently have a kit for it. It's apparently a recognized problem. Yeah. And they fixed it, but I'm just wondering if all the popping out... And as I say, each time it's yeah. pretty violent.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of little gear teeth in there with a slider sleeve and has two brass rings that hold all that in place. And if they're weak, what happens when you apply power, it pops out and it kind of gnarls up the edge of that slider sleeve and the edge of that gear tooth. Now, if they change the gear and they change the slider sleeve, as well as the dogs or whatever hold it in, I'd feel pretty comfortable. But if they it, just put the stronger springs in it or something, I'd kind of be with you on that.
0: No, they apparently did a fairly extensive job.
1: Well, I'd want to see what was done, and I mean, you're entitled to that information. You want to know what parts were changed. If it was a first-gear problem and they changed the first gear and they changed the slider sleeve on first gear, then I think you're going to be real good because that's the two parts that are engaged at that time. Everything else is more or less just floating around. It wouldn't be affected by it. So I would want to know what parts were changed. All right. I'll
0: ask my dealer.
1: Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Bye-bye. We still got a few minutes. We'll be glad to answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call and we'll put you up there at the top of the list?
2: And that was a, a perfect example of new car equals still equals problems.
1: Yeah, we talk about that a lot, but the new, new cars I'm talking the 08s, 09s, the 10s we see so many problems like this. Yeah. Because every one of those guys is buying the cheapest junk they can from the cheapest vendor they can find
2: putting and, it together and, and hoping for the best well
1: all you got to do is come in the shop and see how many new cars we've got sitting up on those racks yeah just out of factory warranty and, of course, they'll tell you, oh, man, you got a 100,000-mile warranty. Yeah, except that, you know, it only covers the engine block, and then it's not covered if it's an internal failure. It causes failure, and if it freezes, it's not covered because you abused it. And, you hey, know, if, if they all do it, well, then it's a defect, and so it's, it's not covered either. <laughs> so,
2: so you got the redefine print. Yeah,
1: I mean, those warranties, particularly the extended warranties. Right. And that's all you get. And, you know, those, oh, we're going to put a lifetime warranty. Absolutely free. When you hear the word absolutely free, it's costing you somewhere. Run like the devil. It's going to cost you 10 times That's more right. than you could ever imagine.
2: It'll cost you somewhere. Nothing
1: is ever free. It's added back in there somewhere. And basically all you're doing is dealing with an extended warranty. That's it. Even though it's sold as part of the car and what have you, it's nothing more than an extended warranty tacking on there. But... I'll tell you, if you, you cannot turn the radio or the television on without hearing 10,000 new car ads.
2: Oh, yeah. Every time you turn it on.
1: And there's a reason why they advertise, 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 advertise. Number one, they want to make a lot not. of money on it. But number two, they're not selling any cars. Exactly. <laughs> and instead of building a better product that holds up longer, yeah. that's going to cost people less money, what they do is put the cheapest content they can possibly put into them and then offer you a big discount. And that's what people buy. Well, oh, well, this is a $30,000 car. We're going to knock $10,000 off the price. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, if
2: you could have knocked 10000 off the price right, now, right, right. why didn't you do it then?
1: Well, they cut $15,000 of content out of the vehicle.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like that new GM commercial. It, right. it, it's like a kick in the face every time it comes on. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the guys who see this on a daily basis, man, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Y'all ain't how do they get by with exactly. this? Exactly. You know? uh, and of course, the average person doesn't see it on a daily basis, so they're a lot more susceptible to it. Obviously, that's right. they wouldn't keep doing it if it didn't work.
2: Yeah, so it's it's working.
1: It's working, but you know, boy, there is a price to pay. Oh, I'm that's just it. saying, be very, very cautious. I that's would be, it. Be very, very leery, and I would try to keep the car I've got as long as I possibly can. Eventually, I'm hoping this will work out.
2: Yeah, like hopefully, they'll go back to building a decent product. Wait this is
1: over. <laughs> 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 but who knows? Let's go back to the phone lines. We got Gregory online. Good morning, Gregory. Good morning, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, Good sir. Morning.
0: Good I got an 04
1: Monte Carlo SS yes,
0: Intimidator. Okay. And the service traction system, light just stays on forever. Yeah. Okay. I back, yeah. I can back out the driveway, just turn the wheel, and it says traction active.
1: Yeah, what that is, that's part of the anti-lock brake system. It's an electronic system that detects when the wheels start to spin or slip, and it's supposed to counteract that. It's one of those things, Gregory, in my opinion, is an absolutely useless feature because nobody even knows it's on there for the most part until (laughs) the light pops on and it costs you a grand to fix it. We can go in with a scan tool and check it and find out why it's on. There's probably a hundred different things that can make it come on. Anything from a wheel speed sensor that's bad, the harness going to the sensor, it's got a bad connection. GM's had a lot of trouble with that. It could be the failed valve that controls it. There's that, lots and lots and lots of stuff that can cause it.
2: That one also has a module like the module like the pickup truck, right. thing, doesn't it?
1: I think it does, that, yeah. That the always goes out. on the frame rail and it's yeah. part of that. So it could be that module has failed on it. It's just one of those features they throw on there, and you don't have any choice. And of course, when the light pops on, it's in your face, and you, you almost got to do something about it, but... The way that it has to be addressed is you gotta bring it Okay, hey, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> bring it in and we put a tech two on it and we can read the module, find the code, and then you have to do a little research and you can find out what it is. Sometimes it's not too big. Wheel speed sensor's not a real big deal, and a harness on the wheel speed sensor's not a real big deal, but if it gets into the module, that's probably eleven, $1, twelve hundred bucks.
0: Wow.
1: For something <laughs> that you ain't never used anyway. <laughs> I hear
0: you. Can you give me the address of your shop? So I can go to get our, to go to our it?
1: website. It's www.agcoauto.com. Agcoauto.com. It's got a map in there from anywhere in the world. All right. Thank All right. you very much. All, right, All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. I think we got time for a few more calls. We're going to talk to Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey,
0: how are you doing today? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Look, I got a uh, 99 Toyota Tacoma, mm-hmm. and when I break, when I come to a complete stop, mm-hmm. It's like the axle or the drive shaft is getting bonded up. When I let my foot uh-huh. off of the brake, yes sir, it kind of—it's like something that's just is dropping like a, out, like, like a, a shift, like a
1: clunk, like somebody kind of bumps it from the back. Yeah, that's the Correct. same problem we talked to the other guy about. General Motors has that problem real bad. Toyota's also got it, but the thing about Toyota is they put a grease fitting on that shaft. Nobody ever sees it, so nobody ever greases it. But what you need to do is get under the truck, and if it's got a two-piece shaft, it'll be in the back section. Where that yoke slides into the cross member part and the spline yep. is, get in there with some synthetic grease and a grease gun and grease the devil out of it and see if it goes away.
0: Okay, because I couldn't see any grease fitting. Yeah, you know.
1: there's generally one on there unless it's been knocked off over the years or whatever. If it doesn't have one, you can always take it apart and manually grease it. Again, go to my website and just go to the search bar and type in dry shaft plunk. It'll bring up an article, show you how to do it and all about one, it, what it is, and everything I else. I'll say
2: one thing you want to do, though, if you take that drive shaft apart, mark it before you take it yeah, apart. It Definitely has. put it back together in the correct phase.
1: Right. Those splines are timed to each other. And if you pull it out and turn it, quarter turn, and put it back on, you have a vibration you can't get rid of. That's right. Well,
0: one more quick question. Sure. Is that drive shaft supposed to, if I push it up and down, is it supposed to move in that yeah. actual yeah. barrier? Yeah,
1: there'll be some movement there. Yes, sir. It's mounted okay, rubber
0: last question i need a good tune-up on my
1: toyota can i take it a bob's yeah yeah i mean any good competent shop can do that now you want to make sure they use toyota parts for instance if you come to agco we're going to get the original toyota parts and put on it which are no more expensive than any other parts and they're 10 times better what i would do is just go to whoever you choose just make sure they're going to use the original equipment parts and not a bunch of white box junk in fact again go to my website on the first page and there's an article called selecting a great shop just read that article, and it'll give you all a lot of guidance as to you know what you're looking for when you walk in the door. You'll know if you're in the right place or not. Thank y'all so much. All right, all Chris. Right. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, all right. I think we got time. Maybe for one more call. We got Garth on line. Good morning, Garth. Hey, good morning, guys. Real quick,
0: I got a 97 Nissan hard-body pickup. Okay. Nice little truck, very low miles, 80,000 yes, miles. Okay. Old company truck. I bought it from a company, uh-huh. five-speed. Uh-huh. I'd like to have kind of keep it as a good second vehicle, but okay. my wife can't drive a stick, and trust me, guys, there's no teaching her. <laughs> so if I got to take our herd Dodge Caravan to the uh-huh. shop, we usually got to rent a car for a couple days. Yes, sir. I'm debating, do I trade that in and get myself another automatic pickup or... People say no. You can go ahead and put an automatic nah, transmission in
1: it. You will no. be, be way cheaper to to sell that one to someone who can drive it and go ahead and buy another one because you'd have to have the computer to drive it. You have to have a different drive shaft. You have to have new linkage. The dash panel. Everything is different on it. I think you'd, hey. you'd spend way way more than the truck was worth. I mean that little truck will bring good money and you can probably buy one comparable. You may only come up with five six hundred dollars difference. Hey, appreciate you guys. Okay, go All on. Right. Thank you, man. Bye bye. Hey, I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning.
2: And we'd also like to thank the podcasters for listening. That's right.
1: I always appreciate them. And also, I apologize to people who did not get the calls answered. Give us a call next week. Be glad to get you up right at the top of the list there. Preceding with opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.